He said, oh, I'm, bleep it I'm out. I'm gonna do it again. I don't know how to bleep. I'm gonna name him again. John? It's like, oh, live everyone, how was your food, ah? You're not a good guest. Great. It's incredible to me that people don't have pyjama cases. There's nothing funny about childhood obesity. Let me, let me, let me tell you a story. Oh my god. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Young Comedians Podcast with me, George Tothill. Today's episode is with none other than my brother, John Tothill. John is a stand-up and sketch comedian who started performing comedy with the Footlights and has since launched a solo stand-up career where he's already managed to win the prestigious Two North Down New Acts competition. This year, he's taking his solo hour, John Tothill, The Last Living Libertine, to the Edinburgh Fringe, and he'll be on at the Pleasance Courtyard at 8.30. Now, if you remember from last episode, Lachlan Werner is also performing there at 10.30, so I would just say, why not just see them both in the same night? Grab a drink in between. That's a great evening. Um, I mean, I feel a bit like I'm turning into an events planner, but um, yeah, no, I stand by that. That's a good evening. And... So this episode's a little different, uh, obviously I'm going to roast him a lot more than other guests, uh, but I still make sure to ask him the questions that, that I'd ask any other comic. Because the thing is, John started comedy at uni while I was still at school, so we were both quite busy with exams and our like, lives, and um, you know we didn't really chat as much as we do now. So in truth, I didn't know all that much about his early years in comedy, so a lot of this stuff is quite new to me. and. Um, I'm quite happy with how kind of natural the conversation is. Um, I'm not just asking questions that I know the answer to. Um, but look, the episode is going to be a little different, obviously. We talk a bit about our family, uh, growing up together, and pretty much just try to piece together why we've both stupidly entered into an industry that is so financially unstable. Like, both both of us did that. There's, there's no, I've got to stress, there's no third Tothill brother who we can fall back on when none of this works out. Like, this is it, it's just us. Um, and I'm honestly a bit worried about that. Um, I think, right, I think that's everything for this episode. Um, all that's left to say is I hope you enjoy it. Um, I, I love this episode, you know, it was a pleasure to do it with someone who, uh, even if he weren't my brother, I would call a wonderful performer and a future star who can go right to the very top. Um, but, but he is my brother, um, so I'll just call him a prick. Here's my interview with some prick. <laughs> John Tothill, welcome to the Young Comedians Podcast. Thank you for having me. I love this podcast. I love it for lots of reasons, but the, the thing that I really enjoyed was in Michael May's episode, at last getting a confession from you that, well, I'll explain in the full context, um, for the listeners at home, that when we were growing up, we had there were two cuddly toy dogs that well, our well, grandma bought us. Technically pyjama cases. That's correct, actually. Thank you. The little zip down the side. The little zip down the side, put pyjamas in. I want one, actually. Why don't I have a pyjama case now? That's sad. It's incredible to me that people don't have pyjama cases. Yeah. Anyway, we had these two dogs. I called mine Barky. Makes sense, doesn't it? That's the way dogs make the sound. You called yours Barky's friend. And then, across the next 10 years, mm. a conspiracy theory reading of history appeared yeah. where you kept calling my dog Barky's friend and your dog Barky. And at long last, I got some justice and I got some closure because you admitted on air to Michael that my dog was called Barky. So this podcast has already been well worth my time. 
and yeah. I and I thank you for putting it out there. Yeah, it's brought brought an end to a very long legal campaign that you uh, brought. A very long me. legal campaign, and it's like and it's like on the courtroom steps. It's a lot. It's people like crying, and it's like this will never undo what he did. Yeah, <laughs> but we get justice at last. Yeah, you know, like Barky's, just... Barky's long gone. I don't know where Barky or Barky's friend are. They had to leave, but the case the country. carried on. They had to leave. They had to go into witness protection. Yeah. It was so intense, scary, but. but... So I, look, I'll admit, I wasn't the most creative with naming toys, but I did invent gaslighting. So you did, yeah. It was gaslighting. I never said it was gaslighting. Oh, and that yeah, is yeah, why yeah, yeah. I should have won One the two North Down. Of, this is like <laughs> you a sort of Norm MacDonald podcast. That's genius. Um, so you know how this podcast works. You've listened to it before. Um, you know, stop. we... Sorry? Can't stop. Yeah, you love it. We always open with, you know, five minutes of talking about cuddly toys. Yeah. Um, and then we ask a few kind of stock questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are coming like segments. So yeah. I want to just start. Let's I st- hope they are where I stand on various culture war subjects. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you're yeah. not cancelled by the end of my podcast, yeah. you're not a good guest. Great. Um, I, I think a good place to start is just telling me how, how did you get into comedy? Um, I... How did I how did I get into it or how did I um what made me want to do it? Because I got into it really at university, but I want I've wanted to do it forever, you know? When when did you want to start doing it? When um we it's a, well I think the thing that I oh, there's just no way of saying this that isn't so unlikable, but I read Stephen Fry's autobiography and wanted to be him. Mm. <laughs> and that's an ongoing project that will go follow me yeah. around forever. But just like, when I, I remember it, I remember it so well. I read um, the Fry Chronicles. I was on a train. I was going to Durham from London. And and I just remember, like, he, was, he, wrote, he wrote about footlights. And I remember being like, I would, I, that's, I really want to, do this because um we were um we were activities children weren't we like we we came from that kind of like noughties middle class school of parenting where like there was like karate on a wednesday piano on a thursday like music on a friday it was like this kind of like yeah football on saturday you you, like we were we were stocked up with um with activities and one of those activities was music and um i I just think became sort of a bit addicted to performing for as long for when I was really young and and I'm and that just quite easily slipped into comedy I think yeah and I'm a people pleaser but I remember you when you were younger like prim- yeah primary school you used to play mock the week scenes we'd like to see with your <laughs> friends on the playground because because yeah. I did exactly the same yeah. thing once I heard you were doing that I was like oh we should do that to yeah, my we, friends I was obsessed with mock the week but yeah, as like, a ten-year-old, I'd point out. In fact, yeah, but, there are middle-aged people watching this. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I, I always like to tell people, like some people see comedians as these tragic figures who are like, oh, they joke because something horrible happened to them. And it's like, well, actually, when I was very, very young, I was still playing mock the week on the playground. Like, mm-hmm. I always liked comedy. I always liked jokes and stuff. Yeah. Um, before my life ever well, had anything bad even happen. Well, and also crucially, we need to mention that my comic education was our ridiculous. We we had a we had a we had a made up TV channel, which we would pretend to make, which we would make shows for. Oh, we did. Remember, yeah. the, remember the name of the TV channel? J and G Top Up TV. J and G Top Up TV. Because and this was back in the day where you had to. We had like a top up channel where you'd like you'd, you'd pay a monthly thing for like an extra free view. Yeah, thing. yeah. And we I had, had Satanta Satanta Sports. 
Santa Sports for, uh, for the football, which folded. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what we did, the JNG Top Up TV, which is still going Monica strong. Monica and Ruda's show. Uh, John's home for cute, cute pets. By the way, just, just before we... The first one of those is a rip-off of, I'd say, Drake and Josh. The second is a rip-off of Foster's Home. I love you're being like, and of course, actually, of course, it wasn't original. These seven-year-olds, it was dreadful. It was a complete nah, rip-off. Well, yeah, we weren't pitching it to production companies. Yeah, because, because you were too scared and you refused. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. So, and I, that, I just, you know, so... But, I mean, whatever. All kids play together, don't they? It's not like a... Um, Actually, that's not true, is it? Kids play video games and stuff now, I guess. God, I Well, we like did. We used to play old, video but... games for a bit until you got to a certain age. I don't know. What was it? What was it? I've never asked you this. What was it that made you stop playing video games? Because there was a time where there was a quite sudden drop-off where you were like, I perform- I'm too yeah. smart for these or something. Yeah, I performatively rejected them. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't like that. I remember that because yeah. we used to play together and then I had to play on my own. Yeah. And I was like, why does John think he's better than video games? I think... What was, the, what was going on in your head? I think... Um, that's actually a good question. I mean, I was, I was a pretentious brat is the answer, but... Also, I kept beating you, so... And you kept beating me. And, and I on actually the video games. truly, like... Um, it, it just never quite... Um, it didn't quite do it for me in the way that video games, I think, do it for other people. You know, I just, I just don't think it really held me. So then... Which isn't to say I, I did still performatively reject them, but it was quite easy to do that. Mm. As a nine-year-old, it was quite fun being like, we've all forgotten how to talk to each other. That was, that was very on-brand for me, age yeah. sort of, it's ironic as well because no one wanted to talk to you. No, not at all. Yeah, still don't. Standing on street corners, hollering. Yeah, you're on the. You had to be invited on the second series of your own brother's podcast. Yeah, well, I, had, I worked through so many people. <laughs> it's because you're intimidated by my brand. <laughs> yeah, um, you thought I'll get it really good, then I'll invite the real stars on, like me, with my tens of TikTok followers. Yeah, actually, that's a that's a thing to to talk to you about, I suppose. Like, mm. what what role has TikTok played for you in a minimal one? Yeah? You, you don't think you've, like, secured gigs and stuff from people recognizing you online? No. I've secured lovely messages from strangers and gorgeous comment sections and nice and, and unkind comments about my teeth from mm. TikTok. But you can get all of that on, like, a dating app. You can get that on Grindr. I do. I get yeah. it on datingapps.gov.uk forward slash iPlayer every day of my life. But um, I think that TikTok has... TikTok will be very useful if I can get on with it but i've only made about 10 videos i've been very lucky with the reception it's had but i need to now i'm doing the edinburgh fringe it's on my list of like i need to make a tiktok video every day because it would be amazing if i could have a few thousand followers to plug work in progress shows to mm. you know that sort of thing because filling filling up those um venues is going to be really hard yeah i just don't have the, the following so going back to when you started comedy mm. so properly so yeah. it's the footlights right yeah and I did a, I'm one of the insufferable people and there's plenty of us, but they don't talk about it. People made, went to Cambridge. People went to Cambridge. Not only that, the worst type of someone who went to Cambridge, I did a, it was a tacky application to Cambridge to do the footlights. Like I, I arrived on day one being like, I'd love to do footlights. Yeah. That was what I was there on a mission. Is that why you studied music? Uh, I studied, I, well, yeah, because I, thought, I couldn't get into Cambridge or anything else. Easiest thing to get in on because you were so good at music. <laughs> That's quite nice. Um, well, no, it's, it's... You were good at it. I, I have to tell you you're good at music. I have Thank to be honest you. about that. Because you are, but also yes. because if you weren't, so I'm here. I wouldn't have passed my GCSE music because you, you did my composition for me. And I'd do it again. I actually totally 
Wait, I genuinely don't remember. Can you please you send this? No, I don't remember it. I didn't know how to do that. Oh, brilliant. Um, oh, yeah, I'm glad I could it. be of some kind of assistance. No, well, I applied on music. Yeah, I did. Well, I knew I wanted to go to Cambridge and I thought mu- I'd have the best chance of music. And so I did it. And I, by the way, I loved my degree so much. I had the best time and mm. I don't regret studying that at all. I, thought it was, I loved it. And I think that it, here's a pretentious thing. By the way, you're asking me some really nice questions and I'm going to give you pretentious answers. I'm so sorry. I am a really pretentious person and I, I'm aware I'm going to come across horribly on this podcast, but um, I do think that the study of music has informed the way I perform, you know? The, is it the study of music that's informed the way you perform or the performance of music that's informed the way you perform? Uh, the study of the performance of music has informed the way that I study performing myself. Oh, you're right. You are going to come across like a right okay. tosser. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah? yeah. Well, what did you learn about no, musical performance no, right. that has changed the way you perform comedy? Uh, no, you're right. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, you're right. it's the practice of performance. Yeah? I just felt like I was lucky in that I didn't have that um, that first time of like getting up on stage with a microphone for the first time and, and looking out of those faces and being like, oh my God, this is scary. Because that it, that did feel very familiar. Mm. because I was I was I loved doing it. Well also because you're I mean you're so used to classical music audiences who were silent and your comedy audiences are silent Near too silent. aren't they? So it, and they don't clap between and I, I, I say movements. <laughs> Each you. joke I consider a kind of movement. Mm. Um actually on the thing of <laughs> actually they do laugh. Actually they do laugh. <laughs> I'm not going to let that And I'm slide. leaving now and I take the microphone <laughs> off and it's like you know what this is this is over I think. You're the sort um, of person who'd storm out with the microphone still attached to the laptop. Yeah of course. <laughs> I pull the pull the laptop off the desk as it goes. Yeah. Um wouldn't you love to storm off an interview one day and in what context would you do that? I I think you're going to storm off this one now. Uh, I think no, that would no, be no, a really funny end to the episode. No, it would have to be I'd love to storm off like Lorraine. <laughs> I'd love to storm off Lorraine because she's like, and you know, it's really good and we love you and what's coming up next? And we'd be like, I can't believe you'd ask me that. And be like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And be like, do you know what, Lorraine? And just really like lose it and be like, this is, do you know what? This is over. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. You know, just um, for fun. Oh, if I just storm off, storm off a show, it's a yeah. big move. Yeah. Um, I always, for one thing, it, it's more difficult than it looks. You've seen the Key and Peele sketch of a guy trying to storm off an interview. No. And he like, can't, he can't get his, um, like microphone off mm. <laughs> he like starts taking his trousers down to like get the wire oh, and stuff yeah. and oh i'd love that it's love that. it's brilliant um i don't know um i don't know i don't have a good answer to that question that's okay hey man that's all right um on the thing of classical music there is something here's another pretentious point god i love it um all of that stuff the, the there is a culture of um the pursuit of perfection in classical performance Mm. and you go to performances to see like mastery and like virtuosity and that kind of thing and it is so interesting that all the way through university that was the thing that I unlearned of like not being perfect but chasing perfection because obviously comedy is at its for me anyway my preference would be that comedy is at its best when it's actually a little bit sort of it's only just cooked you know and it's ever so it's a little bit rare yeah and it's slight and it's slightly sort of cooks in front of the audience a little bit more yeah but the, I, but the know, worry with that is you'll give someone food poisoning yeah, yeah. In a hot it's way, a though. really hard um line to turn isn't it yeah but i but i would rather see something really baggy than something like i just this is always my personal preference mm. is I, I don't go in for 
um, great stylist, like great. Um, I don't, I don't really care about big 45 minute shows that prove a point and have a million callbacks in and stuff. It doesn't necessarily do much for me. I'd rather see hats and coats and gloves and scarves and dressing up box. And yeah, I want to see something homemade. Mm. But I mean, that was, you've always been more sort of character focused. You have mm. been dressing up box kind of kid. Yeah. Um, why, why the move now into, into stand up? Um, well, in some ways, um, I find it very interesting that so something you said on another episode of this podcast on with, when Pat Healy was on, you said something I thought really classy and great when you when you were introducing him and you were like, "This is Pat. He's one of my absolute best friends, and actually, also, he is." like my biggest comedy influence and i was like yeah. that is such a nice thing to say because imagine how boring it would be if you've been like and my biggest comedy influence is actually david mitchell something like that who you know i know is very important to you and is one of the reasons why you're in comedy but it's that thing of like, actually your early collaborators of course are the most important yeah you spend people. you spend most of your time with them i haven't worked with david mitchell do you know what i mean like it. i've and worked like, with pat so i've learned will have, from him you will have taught each other to write yeah you know and i love that and the people who taught me to write at university were my friends Eve, James, and my friend Raph. Hmm. But especially Eve and James. And they are they are character comedians. And they just introduced me to that. And that was the the style that I loved anyway. Like my favourite comedians are like Colin Holt, the old lot of like Barry Humphreys and Dame Edna, that sort of thing. And and um Chris Lilly? Chris Lilly, I love Chris Lilly, yeah. yeah. Which is unfashionable, isn't it? But and I don't really love his new stuff, but I I don't want to badmouth him too much. I think I think he's really funny. Like, I think I, is don't worry, he doesn't listen. He I does send actually, I send him a physical copy every every a week. A physical copy, send him yeah. a transcript because mm, you or can't, a tape. can't ignore that. You know, you can't ignore. Didn't that. get lost in his email because it, it <laughs> came through his front room, room window. Found it on Google Earth. But like, um, you know, <laughs> I, I love all that. And so the move to stand up has been actually quite hard. It has been quite hard. Yeah. Um, well, it looks hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and my cheap answer to that is that I, what I'm trying to do, um, at my highest aspiration, I'm trying to bring what James and Eve taught me about dressing up box character comedy into stand up. And I'm really hoping that people come to my stand up show and it should feel a little bit like a character show. I mean, it's really over the top and yeah. it does, it's not very jokey and it's not really a performance of me. It's like, I think the persona on stage is very different from me. Yeah, I mean, you're doing a work in progress at the moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know when this episode will be released. It'll definitely be pre-Fringe, and you're doing the Fringe this mm. year. Mm. But the show you're working on at the moment, in its current form, does have it has a lot of little voices. You do slip into the voices yeah. now and then. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to do more of that. I'm hoping, we'll see, but I hope by August, it's got, I would like long, you know, minutes long riffs in different voices. And things. Yeah. I think that'd be funny. But I would say, because I'm interested um, in how different our styles are, Given that we grew up with like with 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 identical comic backgrounds, we watched exactly the same stuff on TV, like lots of I mean, like endless episodes, like reruns of Blackadder at Grandma's house, mm. um, and um, tons of Simpsons and all that stuff. Mm. It is interesting to me that you went to university, wrote a lot with Pat and others, and I think your your craft. You're so interested in the crafting of a joke and you're so good at it that I like like even That's in that kind. in that uh, five minute you know this kind of type five that you do yeah of like at the in that last minute there's something there's like four callbacks after each other and you do you know I watch I think Christ that's 
that's someone who's taken that material to a library and and looked at it and and done some work on it you know and that's not a and that is not a style that i am good at at all and i find that really interesting and i do think that a lot of that is because there is a i think a lot of that is to do with who who your early collaborators are i think they're responsible for a lot of your stylistic choices yeah i think it's some of that i mean the thing i say about pat all the time is pat's got this like almost obsessional uh well it's just an obsession with um being original like i watched him when he first started out and so like watching him get frustrated about oh this person did this it's so hack or you know yeah that that was like the main thing i learned from pat in terms of crafting a joke i just i i always was more of a writer than a performer i think that started a lot earlier i think you and me the reason we're different is because i think i learned to be funny at home by undermining or undercutting you <laughs> when you were being performative and you know in the middle of a really big story or something mm. like the funniest thing to do if someone's blowing a really big balloon is just to pop it with a little pin and so is that a reference to me being a fat kid um no but we can talk about that if you want <laughs> i think i need to <laughs> um no we don't need to because <laughs> there's nothing funny in that i don't think there's you... nothing funny about childhood obesity <laughs> <laughs> actually i would not be joking about that oh Actually, just on the originality thing, I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> you, you think I'm unoriginal? No, no, no. I think you are original, but I just think, I just don't think originality is something that is really worth chasing. <laughs> like, I, I actually, you know, because I think that originality is synthesis. Let me, let me, let me tell you a story. Oh my God. Let me tell you a story, John. This is, this is where I think possibly my, like the where the seed began of wanting to be original because i think mm. pat helped but he's probably been there longer do you remember when i this is very much like a joker origin story of i'm why really why scared about what you're a comedian because this is not why i became a comedian like okay. i say i liked comedy very early mm. but this might be where the originality things come comes from back at primary school i think year five or year six you were already gone we had a competition probably some big red nose day thing mm-hmm. and it was like who who's got the best joke I, because I loved comedy, told a really long and quite dark joke from one of those like joke books that we had in the toilet. Because um, also full disclosure, I used to spend a lot of time on the toilet as a as a young a young boy. I was uh, allergic to a lot of different foods and things, and I, I often just so it meant I read read loads of joke books because that was what was in the toilet. That's part of the That's reason insane. I'm funny now is because I in my formative years the structure of a joke was put in my head because i was sat on the loo oh. like that's where talent comes from guys <laughs> you gotta put in the time on the toilet so i go, <laughs> I go into school <laughs> i go into school and i tell um a joke from the joke book and i absolutely bomb like it's the first time it's probably the worst bomb in some ways ever of my life and mm. um, the whole so class far. so for your life so far yeah but but i mean obviously remember when i was a kid like it, it will never affect me the way it did then well we'll see george <laughs> but i i was uh yeah I, I the whole room was kind of silent the teacher great guy mr dunn you remember mr dunn but yeah. he he made a really nice thing of it where he kind of instead of being like that wasn't funny was like george that was just so dark and like that's the reason people aren't laughing it was like oh okay. my god that's really dark and it made me feel better about it okay but it was not a good experience right so about a week later um it's the finals right of this thing like everyone there's a big school assembly lined up is the best joke from each class to, to tell their joke and there's this um one, one of the ladies the ict teacher she's got this uh laughometer which is just a piece of cardboard with an arrow i think we should name shame her it's mrs walton it's mrs walton yeah 
Um, and so she's like doing, she's measuring the laughter. And if it's a big laugh, she's moving the arrow further up the dial. Mm-hmm. Boy, won't name him. Friend of mine growing up. Name him. No. Name him. Uh, God, George just mouthed, mouthed it, it to me. George <laughs> just mouthed me the name. But, but, so I know the answer now. I know I, I'm not naming the listeners him. don't know. I'm not naming because there's there's no there's no animosity here. Oh my god, don't name. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to edit that now. Bleep. So we you rejoin us. We had to pause there because John said the name of the person because thought it'd be him. funny. He said, "Oh, I'm, bleep it I'm out." I'm gonna do it again. I don't know how to bleep. I'm gonna name him again. John, I'm holding this hostage. I'm not gonna. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna have to learn to bleep. Funny, funny. Do you know what? Fuck it. Just keep it in. <laughs> funny. But I want him. I want him to know. I didn't want it in. Um, I actually don't think you should keep it. I probably won't. Um, I'll learn to bleep. He he uh, he tells his joke. Mm-hmm. I think it's a joke you told me. Even you know, um, and it was uh, it was it was this. What, should I tell the joke? The joke was um, there's a guy on a date and he doesn't really know what to say to his date and he's struggling. Mm-hmm. So he looks around the restaurant and there's a couple of other tables. And uh, sees what the other guys are doing on their dates. And one guy goes, can you uh, pass the sugar, sugar? And the date laughs. And so, oh, that's very sweet. And they, you know, they kiss or whatever. And it's, it's going really well. He looks over another table. And this guy goes, oh, can you pass the honey, honey? He goes, oh, that's very clever. And he looks around the table. He's kind of sweating. He's like, oh, God, what, what do I say? What do I say? And he goes, uh, um, uh, pass the bacon, you big fat pig. It's brilliant. Right? It's, it's an okay joke. But when you're young, like, big fat pig is hilarious. It and, like, someone hilarious. said that at in assembly like it was huge explosion of laughter in the room mrs walton is going crazy with the <laughs> laughometer like i remember her physically shaking being uh-huh. like oh my god look at this and she's moving the arrow and i just looked at it and i was like i told him that joke i told him that joke weeks ago on the on the playground none of us had come up with our jokes but there was this feeling of like he stole my joke he took the thing and i bombed so hard and i watched him in front of everyone right. do so well and so part of me i think probably even now is like it has to be original it has to be you otherwise but it wasn't you it was a joke i know i know it wasn't it wasn't but the but you know that's not as important as the feeling because Mm. it's the feeling that sticks with you rather than the specific facts of the the case i i just think that um young comedians being truly original is a very very high bar to to expect because actually also i think what originality actually is is the way that you market something and it's the way you look as well and i think like i think crafting a look and an aesthetic is as important as the the jokes and it's and, and yeah like i i kind of think that um your ori- originality philip larkin said that originality was talent that they're, that they're synonyms of each other and I can't, I don't agree. Like, I think originality is an ability to bring together things that have been done before in a new way. Um, but it's still synthesis. And I'm constantly terrified that you can see who all my favorite comedians are in my act. I think you can in lots of ways. But I'm not lifting material. I'm, I'm, but I'm bringing together, I think, things that I've found funny. Over. Do you know what I mean? Am I, does that make any sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I I don't know I don't know that I think you do yourself a slight disservice I don't know that you can see necessarily all of the influences but then again I think you like different comedians to me so uh, I probably won't know them anyway maybe if I knew your c- comedy influences better I'd be able to say oh he's doing a X or he's copying a Y yeah. but um yeah I don't know um having told that tragic story 
That was basically my worst gig. That's my worst gig. What's your worst gig? It was awful. Well, I got heckled by Dancing in the Moonlight. I was bombing so hard. Sorry, my worst gig is racism. Oh my God. Um, my worst gig was in 2017. Um, I was on the, the Footlights International Tour Show. Okay. And um, we were at the Fringe and we were doing a sketch show and... Um, me and my friend Henry, we used to do a sketch where we both pretended to be teachers and we were like taking the audience on a big school trip. I've seen and that sketch. It's very, very funny. Thank you. Um, we, at one point in that sketch, we refer to one of the children who keeps throwing up as like in the, we've got this thing was like one of the audience members is a child who's for, like very travel sick. Mm. And so we kept, we called her Sicky Nicky. She yep. was at the front. Was like, oh, thicky necky's being thick again. And it was this kind of thing. that kind of, And we kept calling it back. And this woman was really laughing and really enjoying herself. And we were like, sicky nicky. Oh my God, sicky nicky. Can't believe it. And um, then eventually it just, for some reason, I can't quite remember how it was, but there just came a point one night we were like, let's get sicky nicky up on stage. Like she's loving it. Let's get her up. And so um, we were like, come on, sicky nicky. We'll go. She, and she, throw, went, she throws up. She went, no, she <laughs> went straight from, um, she went from laughing, laughing, laughing to quite stony face and was like, no, I'm not doing it. And mm. I was like, oh, okay, she's like shy. But it was a really good vibe and a really good crowd. We were like, trust us. This is going to be so fun. I promise. We're like holding her hands. We're like, come on. We're almost like pulling her up. She couldn't walk. <laughs> she could not walk. Oh, that's right out of a sitcom. And it was, I actually, without being, that was, actually, I did actually, I had a little cry after that. Because after yeah. I felt, I felt absolutely dreadful. But luckily, um, thank God, it was all quite low stakes because then there was a moment we were like, oh my God, well, let's get your friend up kind of thing. And it was fine. And like, there was, it, there was clearly no malice. There was no, never any malice in the room. And, and, and it recovered very, very quickly and it was fine. And I don't, I'm, I don't even think anyone would remember that. Kind yeah, of thing. but I felt te- I felt awful. It's and, almost uh, like that was dreadful. Yeah, it's maybe not even like a bad gig, but just like a bad interaction. I, that that, well, that was, sits yeah. with you. That sits with you for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so that's that's the kind of thing. I'll as I go to bed, I'll I'll cringe about that a little bit sometimes. Yeah. That's mm. so funny. Yeah, I feel very I still feel quite guilty about it. But it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just one of those things of like, yeah, and it was uh, I learned a lot. No, <laughs> it I, was really bad. I think it was your fault, and I think I'm going to cut this to make you sound ableist. Yeah, no, um, you should do that. I think. Yeah, that's a really good. Worst gig story. I don't think I've ever told you that story. But I don't I, really tell people that because it does, I do feel a bit bad about yeah, it. But I'll, I'll think, speak about it publicly on a podcast now. So. Yeah, I think you might have told it to me ages ago and I'd forgotten mm. all about it. So that was a very genuine... calling her sicky, Nikki. It was just hell. It's hell. Okay, but this, this is why I ask people straight after this mm. to try and get them to feel better. What's your mm. best gig? Um... Well, don't I mean, pause too long. People who pause too long there, they're like, oh, I've got so many. I've got so many. I don't know which one to pick. You've got to pick well, one. Well, I do actually think that, you know, the what's the Leo Tolstoy line, Anna Karenina, where it's like, all all, ha- all happy families are the same. All unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. But like all happy families are identical. I kind of think all bad gigs can look horrific in their own way, but all good gigs look the same, I think. You know, like... Yeah, it's a less interesting question than it's a, worst gig. It's not it's still a lovely question. But I mean, like, I've I've definitely... My best gigs were the ones where I was learning, where I was doing it for the first time and just like, I felt overwhelmed with excitement and um, I still get really excited during my performances, Mm. but also beforehand and I'm very nervous as well. But like, but I remember um, like doing, doing like my first Footlight Smoker, which is like the the kind of um, smokers were the, were the 
sort of sketch comedy evenings that the Footlights were put on every every second Tuesday, every fortnight Tuesday, something. And um, doing that with my friend Raf, that was the first time people really laughed. And I remember like almost, and I've had this a couple of times since, enjoying myself so much I can almost I could almost cry. I keep talking about crying, mm. but like I could actually tear up on say I'm just so excited and happy. And I do think, and it's in those moments where I'm like, I, I'm going to be doing this till I drop dead. Like this is this is the most fun I've ever had and will ever have. Yeah. And I'm convinced that even if I'm terrible at it, I'm going to carry on doing it. And that's what's so that's scary. Good. But like um, uh, those those performances, those early ones at Cambridge, where the audiences are really generous because they've all got so much money. You see, they're not worrying about anything. And so um, you know, they're just and they're all very fat. <laughs> they've all eaten drunk too much. They've got too much money and privilege. They can laugh and yeah. I mean, the thing you described like the most ecstatic high. I mean, yeah, it is ecstasy. Is, I think that kind of is there a flip side to that? Is there is there a low when you're when you've had a bad gig or when um, you're not performing? I think the lows come from like a career anxiety. I don't think I, I'm not like the next day. I'm not like uh, it's not. I'm not having a come down the next day. You know, but, but like but I remember. Sorry to. Mm. I think maybe you did. Um, <laughs> the, here's the thing. I, I've been listening to too much Diary of a CEO, and he always makes them cry on that. And I want someone to cry Don't on this podcast. Listen to that I feel like you're the guy I could get to cry. Oh, so. but by all means, I would. It would be a privilege. For I'll, me to just I'll try and do it naturally. Otherwise, just in the last five just minutes, I'm just going to hit you. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> but, hit me. But there will be tears. Yeah, quite right. Um, I remember you did your one man show, mm. Simone speaking service mm. in um, your first. Was it your first year or your second, second year? Second year of Cambridge. Yeah. I came to see it with mum and dad. Yeah. I think it was the first time I'd seen you do comedy. Actually, no, it wasn't the first time, but it was one of the first yeah, times. Yeah. First time I'd seen you do a whole show. Um, it's the first time. It's the only time I've done a whole show. Yeah, but I remember you saying after that that you were like, "Well, I've peaked. Like I'm, I've done, yeah. I've done everything I need to do." I think you said, "I don't know. Can I say this?" You were like, "I could die happy now." I no. I mean, and I'm glad that you said that because it's. I'm so embarrassed to hear that, but I did think that. Yeah. And like I'm, but but genuinely, but it wasn't a come down. That was what's so insane about that. I remember. I've never felt this since, but I remember coming off stage after that and being like, yeah, no, I could, I could almost go extinct now in a kind of, I don't, I don't, this sounds really dark and I don't mean it to. I just mean like, I was a bit like that was, I felt like that show was actually like years in the making and I was only 20. So there weren't many years, you know, but like to have 10 years in the making, that was like half my life. I've been thinking about doing a one man show at the University of Cambridge. Yeah. And I, I really felt like, fuck, that was so fun. But it didn't feel like a come down. The things that upset me is then just the the, the 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 fear that I won't be I won't be able to get booked or like um um you know or, or that uh, a, a director who I like doesn't like the show or something. I get I, I worry about that a lot, and um, that's sort of therapy fodder. That's just you know stop taking yourself seriously and accept everything's going to be okay. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. But that, I think that's where the if there's going to be a low of comedy, it's that insecurity. I think where. There isn't a grad scheme is there to do it. You yeah. just have to sort of do Edinburgh and really hope someone likes it. Yep. That's okay. I mean, it's that's that's not so bad. Feel like welling up a little bit, or maybe a... I'm afraid not yet. No, not yet. Okay. Um, I say this is just be this is just funny for me to ask. Um, when you were doing that show, Simone mm-hmm. Speaking Service, you did an interview um, with I don't know some Cambridge student newspaper or something, and I believe you said in that interview uh, that actually your brother's the funny one. And my question yeah. is, do you regret now saying that because I started doing comedy? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't regret that. Well, I think that you are a really remarkably good, a really remarkably good writer and a very good. Yeah, in a way that I, I don't. 
um, I, in a way that I'm not, I, and I and I just I don't I don't see myself as a writer. I've seen myself. I th- I think a... we're quite good at. You're good at the things I'm not particularly good at, and maybe the other way around to an extent. I mean, mm. we both I think like to think we're good at what we we're do. Both shy to everything. Yeah, but well, um, but I I certainly I remember we we did the two North Down competition mm. this year, and I think there was one thing from that evening that was very clear is like. These two are really different acts, really different acts. Because but, yeah. nobody nobody mentioned the fact that we were brothers on the night. I mean, no. people came up to us who knew us and would yeah. say like, oh, "Is it weird? You know, you're on the yeah, same yeah, night yeah. with John." Yeah. And, but nobody, like the MC, didn't mention it. It wasn't the theme of the show. Mm. Um, and I think if you didn't know us, if you didn't see a physical resemblance, if you didn't hear the last name mm. being mentioned, I don't think you'd have put it together that we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I think we look more similar as adults than we did as children. Do you agree? Uh, I think we look bigger as adults. We definitely look much bigger now we're mm. adults. But I think I think um, we look quite similar. But that well, yeah, this is what I'm saying though. I think that um, our acts are so different because, and I think that is because of who our first collaborators were. Yeah. Have everyone go. And that day, for some reason, I just decided to fuck around. But at the same time, it's quite helpful to see. Like, just to see a joke not work, which I thought was so funny. It is funny. Yeah, why did that not, why is that not here? Because people were like, what the fuck? What's the bit you've done that never worked, but you always thought should have? There are so many. We did a show at Cambridge, where I was lucky enough to study. Um, was I lucky enough as well as clever enough to study? Grow up. Uh, no, I don't like this. <laughs> I just hate this. I, I can cut that. Um, at university... Uh, Cambridge. Thank you. Thank God someone said it. Christ <laughs> alive. Sat here. Um, at Cambridge, we put on a show in our second year called Milk Teeth. And there were a number of sketches in that that, I mean, really failed. Like, really failed. And um, we and we got, a, we got a four out of ten review where the reviewer, I don't think she'd mind me saying her name because it obviously was a public thing but it was like the first thing was like zoe barnes is underwhelmed by and it was so bad and um and we're also embarrassed about it and that kind of stuff there was just a lot of stuff that we know was really bad at the moment james and i really want to do a top gear sketch but all all, that's just us doing bad impressions of the top top gear presenters well like a sort of top gear sketch but the people who are doing it clearly have never watched top gear Kind of. Well, yeah, because we haven't watched Top Gear yeah. in ages. So you just a lot know like, about it. Yeah, so it's like James being like, Hammond, Hammond, you are a hamster. And I find this, I can't tell you how funny I find that. <laughs> that is and funny. then also, James May, don't know why, has like a country accent in this. And it's like, which one of you two blithering idiots put jam in my car? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, which for me is sort of what Clarkson. Top Gear is. Clarkson, you old Bloony and like and 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 Rich Hammond being like, (laughs) (laughs) but like this is it. Yeah, he can't. And all of this and James, like if James and I at the pub, we've had two and a half glasses of wine. We'll be doing that actually, maybe all night. Yeah, that's never gone on stage yet because no one else has found it funny. But I, I will cry with laughter. Mm. So would you? Because I think what's your what's your nightmare room? Like what's the demographic of a room where you're like, oh, this is going to be a tough gig. Um. Well, I did a disaster gig uh, a month ago, and that was for Britain's Got Talent. You did Britain's Got... Have I told you about this? Oh, vaguely. I'm not even... uh, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed 
to say because I'm going to be a judge on Britain's Got Can you imagine? Um, I'm pretty sure it is truly so fine to talk about this. I, I'm only a bit nervous because I signed, you don't have to keep this in, I signed a piece of paper. I signed like a big piece of paper, but I know I can, I can say, I can say also whatever. Like, um, anyway, I did a nightmare gig uh, a couple of weeks ago because um, one of the um, producers at Britain's Got Talent saw one of my TikToks and he clearly, bless him, he was like our age, he'd been given a brief to like go and find social media people. And he, he saw my TikTok and messaged me being like... It's quite a fun be... job, that, isn't it? Go on TikTok and, yeah, then, but I... and then like them and the ones that are the best meet Do you know them. what? I think it was hard work, though, because like, he um he he hounded me every day. You know, he's a lovely boy, but he rang a lot. Yeah, see, and, that's um, the hard bit, isn't it? Because I, I, think, I yeah. watch TikToks at my job, but <laughs> they don't, don't pay all? me and I don't have to follow up on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um he was... Like, you know, he's like, you know, the people at Britain's Got Talent, they really like your Italian waiter character. I do this Italian waiter character um, where he's just like kind of drunk maitre d'. He's like, how was your food, guys? Was it all right? And it's kind of like, um, and he's just like a kind of silly drunk man. It's very good. And it doesn't make any sense out of context, right? It's just it's just a character piece. And he was like, I think it would go well at Britain's Got Talent. And it's immediately being like, no, it definitely wouldn't, but okay. Um, that, and I remember... I had to do this audition. It wasn't at the, you know, like the proper Britain's Got Talent auditions. I think they're at the Palladium or something. They're at yeah. the, 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 but like, um, before you get to that, you go on all these different showcases. And it was at the Hen and Chickens pub, which is a gorgeous comedy venue that I really like and have really enjoyed performing in before. So it wasn't the venue's fault. Okay, so this is a good place just to take a quick break to say John absolutely does love the Hen and Chicken Theatre and that's why he's doing his last three work-in-progress shows there. So if you can't see him in Edinburgh, you can see him in London just before he goes up to Scotland. So you can see him on the 15th of July, the 22nd of July or the 29th of July. So if you want to get tickets, you can visit his Instagram at John Tothill or you can go to youngcomedianspod.com and you can find tickets there. Back to the show. And um, they were... This MC was hosting all these different comedians that had been cherry picked off social media, and they were all doing highly competent, like run of the mill stand up stuff that, but nothing that would make you like get on your knees and like praise Jesus, but like also nothing like terrible, just like jokes. Yeah. And conventional um, stand up. Yeah. Have you seen stand up? You know what it is? It's kind of, it's man, microphone. The, pe- the people who listen to this, I think, will be familiar, with, will be familiar with it. Just about. Put it in the show notes, anyway, just in case. But like, um, they then she was literally just like the MC was like anyway next up please welcome John Tothill and I came out with a fake moustache drawn on my face a pillow up me because <laughs> I always do I always make myself look fatter up your shirt I just wore, probably... no and my bum I can't perform I'll, I'll never can't, perform never. Because, oh it, it's always something up my bum if I'm performing yeah it's the only I mean I really you know that's mm. that's an industry secret actually in fact I'll cut that out yeah you can't tell people it's, I've signed an NDA about it but like um. <laughs> I, I I went out and I was just like, hello everyone, how was your food? Ah? <laughs> and people truly like ho- looks of horror. Yeah. And what's scary about that is that is an audience that had been actually selected by a, like they were like a focus group audience who were exactly representative of the country. So they, they had been like, <laughs> there was like a gender balance, a race balance, a class balance, like, or Sorry, an age so balance. So your, your answer to what's the nightmare audience? The British public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Those I would say, that, so the, the, the sort of cheat answer to that though is the nightmare, the nightmare crowd is anyone who, to whom you, you have not been explained. 
yeah. like, because bless them, they were expecting stand-up comedy, mm. and I came out looking like a mess. And then, and then afterwards, the MC took the mic and was like, "John Toyle, everyone!" They gave like a meek round of applause. And she was like, "What the fuck was that?" Massive round of applause. People were like, "Yes, exactly." And it was like, "Yeah, um, that was a disaster." Yeah. And I'm arrogant enough to know that 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 character is okay and does do well in other. Like he's done well on TikTok. Like I don't we, think we, it's like... we did a split bill one yeah. night and you did it then and it was amazing. But also to say like he's not even, he's not like a niche character. Do you know what I mean? Like he has like a wide appeal online. Mm. But it's just that thing of like if you're if you're scrolling through TikTok, you're expecting something like that. If yeah, you're yeah. sat in a pub, you're not expecting it. And it, I do think... It's all about the context. Yeah. Now, a lot of people bully me and say that my episodes end too abruptly and they right. do and, you know, they're correct. Um, so let's just have a little wind down here. What are you working on? We've kind of mentioned the work in progress. Have you got any shows you want to plug? I would love to plug my you? shows. If you go on my Instagram, yes, I have Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go on my bio, there's always, I always put my work in progress, upcoming dates on that. You can get tickets. I would love to see people there. Because, Brilliant. Um, yeah. And just so this isn't like a section where it's shameless self-promotion. So anyone else's show that you would recommend, anything you've seen recently, you're like, you've got to go see that? I wouldn't have thought so, no just you then yeah absolutely you sure that's how you want to play this i consider my show to be not only a piece of comedy but an answer to comedy and the end of comedy i think you'll come out people always say to me once i saw your show i never (laughs) wanted to see see another one (laughs) so i think i think consider myself really the last comedian ever yeah i'm hoping that on other episodes in the series people will suggest it because i think a lot of people like to hear young comedians suggesting other young yeah, comics that are up and coming. People who listen to this, from... they like to no. go out to watch comedy. They like no. a night out. They like a suggestion. No. You're, you, you're, that's really how you're answering this question. I think just comedy... see you yeah. and then you don't need to see comedy again. Well, what, what, could I, what could I recommend that people haven't already heard of? What, what, what me being like, check out Kate Berlant. No, like one of, your, one of your friends work in progresses. You know? Oh, um, I don't have friends. Yeah. Uh, Actually, that's my I mean, question should... for me. What? Well, I actually don't know who's got what in development. Um, Just plug your brother's podcast, maybe. But ha- that's that's this. that's the one thing there'd be no point in plugging. Just tell him to come. More back episodes next time. of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back. You heard the man. Keep tuning in to the Young Comedians podcast. Um, genuinely, thank you so much. If you've made it to the end of this episode, I really appreciate your support. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. And the only other thing to plug for John is just again his Edinburgh show. Um, at the Pleasance Courtyard at 8.30 John Tothill The Last Living Libertine Um, he'll also be doing work in progress shows before that so if you can't get up to the fringe but you want to see it there'll be shows in London all the time so if you follow him uh, on Instagram at John Tothill then you can find all of the dates and the information that you need to go and see him fully recommend the guy is absolutely fantastic And the final thing to say is that John overcommitted to the joke there at the end. He does have show recommendations. Um, They are Lorna Rose Treen's show Skin Pigeon, Adam Flood's new show Remolded, um, Amy Matthews' I Feel Like I'm Made of Spiders, and Rhiannon Shaw Wedding Night. All of those will be top recommendations. John really knows his stuff and has good taste, so definitely go check those out as well. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. You've been listening to the Young Comedians podcast with George Tothill. To hear more episodes and to find out more about the guests and where you can see them perform, you can visit www.youngcomedianspod.com. And you can also follow our Instagram page at youngcomedianspod 
to be kept up to date with all the latest news from the podcast.